Good morning, good morning, good morning. So glad you guys have joined us today for part five of our Let's Talk About It series. And again, uh, that's what we want to do. We want to we want to we want to provoke conversations around certain topics. And so uh, we said that there's a number of ways you can do that. Uh, my staff typically has lanyards on uh, out in the foyer in between services. And so if you just had a real quick question, hey, let me run this scenario by you. You can find my staff out in the foyer, or you. You can email us at pastor at ypcprior.com, and we may take some of those questions, especially if we start to see you know, similar questions coming in, and, and talk about those during our marriage night uh, on September the 14th. Also, there's a, you, can, you can direct messages on social media, but that's what we want to do. We want to talk about some things, and so we've spent the last uh, four weeks now talking about uh, the four laws of marriage and how you have a 100% chance of making it in your marriage if you just understand and honestly obey those laws. Uh, there, there is hope for us. Can I have an amen, everyone? And I have a couple little stories here. A child asked his father how people are made. So his father said, well, Adam and Eve made babies, and then their babies became adults and made more babies, and so on. Well, then the child went to his mother and asked her the same question, to which she replied, Well, um, we were monkeys, and then we evolved to become like we are now. Well, then the child ran back to his father and said, You lied to me. And his dad said, No, your mother's talking about her side of the family. Uh, I got another one here. A man left for work Friday afternoon, but it was payday. So instead of going home, he stayed out the entire weekend partying with his friends and spending his entire paycheck. When he finally appeared at home on Sunday night, he was confronted by undoubtedly his angry wife, which barraged him for nearly two hours. Finally, his wife stopped nagging and said to him, how would you like it if you didn't see me for two or three days? Which he replied, that would be fine with me. Well, Monday went by and he didn't see his wife. Tuesday and Wednesday came and went with the same results. But on Thursday, the swelling went down just enough. He could see her out of the, out of the corner of his eye, right? <laughs> I wanted us to, uh, you know, laugh a little bit today um, because obviously what we're talking about today isn't a laughing matter. It's not funny, especially for people who have walked through this, which is another reason why we have ring pops, all right? Everybody just, you know, just enjoy the ring pop today, okay? Just enjoy the ring pop. We have spent the last four weeks talking about how to survive uh, and how to thrive, actually, in a marriage. Today, we're actually going to talk about surviving betrayal, surviving betrayal. I'm going to go to a little different direction. This will be one of those messages that you'll probably want to go to our YouTube page, save it to your, like, your watched or your, your whatever account, because this will be one of those messages that, you know, you may want to refer to in the future. You may want to send the link to somebody who is a friend or a coworker who is actively walking through something like this, uh, because we want to see what the Scripture has to say about these things. Amen? And just before we get started, I, I just want you guys to know, 
as, as a, communica- a communicator of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, it is not my job to teach the Bible to people. It's my job to teach people the Bible. Do you see the little difference there? That little difference in emphasis? I understand that we're people. I understand that we're humans. And I understand that we're we're flawed. Uh, We're all growing in in the things of God. And I want to be sensitive to that. I really do. And so, but I also want to teach people what the Word of God says. Betrayal isn't just something that happens to couples. In, in marriages, it, some of you have been betrayed by your parents. Some of you have been betrayed by siblings. Some of you have been betrayed by children. Um, we could get into the coworker, business, partners. I mean, really, there are some things that will apply to several different relationships in the message today. But the message is pretty much directed towards um, married couples who are walking through uh, a season. And my hope is that I would just be talking to a couple of people today, but statistically speaking, I'm talking to several people, especially if you're watching online. Um, I'm imagining uh, someone probably sent you this link, or um, maybe you uh, didn't come in person today because the topic was just a little too close to home. Uh, And so I greet you as well. And my encouragement to all of you is just lean in. Just lean in and just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do today. Statistically speaking, uh, it is estimated that roughly 60% of all married individuals, now this is in the United States, will engage in some form of infidelity at some point in their marriage. I have um, articles that I've cited, research. If you're interested in some of these things, get with me after service and I can show you where I found this research. Uh, These numbers are probably a little on the conservative side because the research was actually done a few years ago, and we live in a different world today. But if you think about how more than 50% of marriages lead in divorce or end in divorce, this is probably fairly accurate, if not a little conservative. Research consistently shows that two to three percent, hear what I'm saying, not two to three kids, but two to three percent of all children are the product of infidelity. Again, I've got, I've got articles that I can show you this. And most of these children are unknowingly raised by men who are not their biological fathers. Um, infidelity is becoming more common among people under the age of 30. Main, mainly, uh, or many experts believe that this increase in in infidelity or cheating is due to greater opportunity um, spent away from your spouse, whatever. Uh, and young people are developing a habit of having multiple sexual partners before they get married. And so marriage doesn't necessarily change that in couples. Now, listen to me, students, for just a second. I know that it's becoming more and more common to have sexual relations before you're married, and our culture would say it's okay. And again, I'm, I'm here to teach people what the Bible says. The reason why God says to wait is because he knows the emotional and the physical damage that it can produce in your life. 
And this is why it talks about two becoming one in the context of marriage. Uh, we talk about this a little bit next week in my little spicy weekend. Next week we're talking about sexual fulfillment in marriage. And uh, there is a rating on that service, by the way. So um, we, we are going to strongly encourage no children under the age of 13. And I'm actually just going to tell the parent, unless there will be questions. There will be questions after next week's service. And so if you're prepared to engage those questions, you can, you know, do what you want. But interestingly enough, um, there are no definitive signs of cheating. But in hindsight, you'll always see them. You'll always find them. You'll always recognize them. Men are more likely to, to, to cheat than women. But as women become more financially independent, women are starting to act more like men with respect to infidelity. Uh, researchers uh, have shown that men typically have affairs for sex. There rarely is any emotional connection to the person. It's just about sex to them. Uh, some, in some cases, men are actually looking for respect and they find it in another person. Women, rarely, rarely is it about sex. It's about the emotional connection that they feel and that they failed to get from their husbands. Uh, whether you've been a victim of adultery or you know someone who has, the overwhelming emotion that is felt is betrayal. Uh, it's lack of trust. It's hatred, it's loss, it's anger, and there's a lack of self-esteem or self-worth that we have to kind of walk people through. Now, I know Christians who have struggled with adultery, and many would argue uh, whether they're Christians at all, because Galatians chapter 5 talks about sexual immorality is one reason why people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we, we, we read things like that. And people have asked me, well, how do, you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you process those scriptures? I also know that God is a God of forgiveness. And I know that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And so we want to we look at some things today. We try to save as many marriages as we can. I personally don't believe God likes divorce. In fact, Malachi chapter 2, it literally says, God speaking, I hate divorce. But if there's one clear reason for divorce in the Bible, as you research it for yourself, it's for adultery, or infidelity. And I think God knows the kind of emotional damage that, that it does to a person that has been betrayed to that level. But there are those who want answers. There are those who want to know that if they have, they have permission to leave a person. They, there are those who um, want to still work through it. They want to work through it. It's, it's impossible to weigh in on every single person's particular situation. It's not um, our job to tell you if you have permission to get a divorce. We're not going to do that. It's not our job to uh, take sides. 
That's not what we're going to do. Um, it's not our job to um, um, even to some degree uh, counsel beyond what the Bible says to do. We are not licensed counselors. But if you want help and you want to know what the Bible has to say along these lines, then I believe we have some thoughts. So in light of that uh, conversation and the potential uh, heaviness that this service does lend itself to, let's just invite the Holy Spirit to lead us, okay? So Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to teach people the holy scriptures of God. And so, Father, we want to lean into this today, particularly as it, uh, as it involves the topic of betrayal. Father, we know that you are, you are love. You're the lover of our soul. And Father, your heart and your plan is to work and to heal and to restore. And Father, we want to lean into that. We do. Father, some of us in the room, we're, we're lacking the want to, to, to change. We're lacking the want to, to listen. But Father, I think deep down on the inside of every single one of us, there is a desire to know what your thoughts are. And so, Father, I pray that you would help me be empathetic, help me listen, help me to communicate, to understand, and, but speak confidently the Word of God. Lord, I thank you for an unction from the Holy One. And Lord, we ask for your guiding presence in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, for those of you who've been a part of life groups that I've led, um, then you know that I have this ongoing list of names of who I would consider my heroes. Uh, eagles. I, I like to, I, I refer to them as eagles. Eagles in the faith who have fallen morally. People that I've looked up to. People that I thought were so close to God. People who have imparted things into my life that are today no longer in ministry. Uh, some are no longer married. Some are right in the middle of working it out, and it's been months, and it's even been years for some of them. And I've learned some things along the way. And the number one thing that I've learned, now hear me out, the minute that I think that I'm untouchable, in this area will be the moment it strikes. Will be the moment it strikes. With as good of a marriage as Tyra and I have, even as a pastor, interestingly enough, and these statistics fluctuate throughout the years, but 80% of pastors never retire from ministry. 80% never retire. They either get burnt out or there's some form of a moral failure in their life and ministry. So I personally have placed safeguards in my life because, again, I've got this list of names of eagles who have, been, who have fallen, who have been shot out of the sky. And I never, um, 
I never allow myself to think that I'm untouchable in this area, even though I feel like we're pretty good. Uh, to be on staff at your place, church, you sign, a, you sign an agreement that says that you will adhere to certain things. Um, Darian, how can you even begin to talk about this issue if you've never cheated on Tyra? Well, I, I haven't cheated on Tyra. And again, by the grace of God, I will never do that because I understand uh, this is something that we feel like is our life calling. Um, we, we, we very much enjoy helping couples through this. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not speaking from a place of experience, but what I have done is I've prayed and I've researched scriptures and I believe I have an unction from the Holy One. And I've researched other couples who have made it. And I have researched those who haven't. I've had conversations and we've talked about it. And what you will see is you will see similarities in everybody's story. From the ones who did make it and the ones who didn't, they will rise to the top. And so, if you're open to a conversation, I actually believe I have something really good to, to teach you and to lead you in. How do you survive betrayal? Let's talk about it. I, I believe that there are four things that will help. Now, are, is this an all-inclusive list? No. But these are four things that seem to rise from the rubble or out of the ashes that, that I believe have helped people. And the first thing is simply this. Have faith in God. Now, it sounds so cliche, but it's the only way you're ever going to find hope again. And so my question is, do you believe that God is able? Do you believe that God is able? And some might be in the room saying, it's not God that I'm struggling with. It's him <laughs> or it's her, right? It's, it's, it's them. I understand that. But do you believe that God is able? Because if you can't wrestle that down, there's where your hope is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, I'm actually going to read this from the message translation. It says it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and, listen to the way the message says this, he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Do you believe God is able? Able to reach the one who betrayed you. Able to heal your heart. Able to, even though you don't know how, to restore your marriage. And I think I think to put it a little bit more clear, God recognizes and understands what betrayal feels like. 
He knows what it feels like. I think people think that God doesn't have emotions and that he somehow is above emotions. And all too often, we feel like no one actually knows what we're really feeling. God does. Adam and Eve were the first people to betray him. God said when he had made them, listen, it doesn't get better than this. This is good. This is good. I am well pleased in them. He created something special when he created Adam and Eve. He created something holy. I mean, God is the person who made man in the first place. And for Adam to cheat on God had to be one of the hardest things he had ever experienced. People think that God has no emotions, yet we see them all through the Bible. We read that God has anger. We see that he's a jealous God. We see references where he has grieved. And listen, I am in no way comparing him to our emotional selves, but it is true that God has been betrayed once himself and several times after that. Yet, there is still hope for all of us. Amen, everyone? The first thing that we see God do after Adam betrays him is he gives him a chance to repent and to come clean. We talked about this a little bit last week. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. This is after they sinned. They ate from the tree. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, which is what guilt and shame tries to do. It tries to hide. But the Lord God called to them, where are you? Again, he knew right where they were. What he was doing is he was giving Adam a chance to come clean. He was giving him a chance to own the situation. Verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? And then he just comes out and asks him, even though he knows the answer, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Again, given Adam the opportunity to confess. And so my question to all of us in the room and people who are watching online, have we given our spouse the chance just to own it? Just to own it. Some people can't even stand uh, to be in the sight of a person that betrayed them. But have we just given them the chance to own it? Adam pointed in this scenario he didn't own it. He pointed to Eve. And look, look at his context. The woman you gave me, he said. You gave me that woman. As if it was somehow God's fault. If, if you are the one who has acted inappropriately, don't make excuses. Just own it. Just own it. You don't have to make excuses. You don't have to say, well, if you would have done this, if, if you would have done that. Listen, we can if-then this thing to the ground. If you betrayed your spouse, 
Just own it. Amen, everyone? The second thing that we see God do here is instantly He looks for a way to repair the relationship. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. He clothed them in their nakedness, in their brokenness. God forgave them and he clothed them. No one else had to see it. He didn't post it on his Facebook. Are you with me? He didn't try to get, take, you know, get everybody to get on his side. He didn't try to make them feel shame and, 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 and guilt. He didn't trash them to all of his friends. Now, he did write it in the Bible for everyone to see. But this was years afterwards, after they had made it through, so we could all take note of what happened. The first thing that we have to do is we have to have faith that God is able. And he's been down this road before. The second thing you'll have to do, if you have been a, if you've walked through betrayal, you'll have to develop, you'll have to develop a pain tolerance. That's the only way I know to say it. You'll have to develop some form of a pain tolerance because there are repercussions. There were repercussions to Adam and Eve's decision, and unfortunately, there will be repercussions to this decision as well. So we have to, we have to develop a pain tolerance as you walk through this. And listen, I, it hurts. It hurts. I know it hurts. I know the emotions because we've walked couples through this. I, I know and if you're going through it right now, you don't have to make any decisions in this moment. You don't have to make any decisions. Your parents and your friends will all tell you, you need to leave them. You, you need to leave them. And you may. You may. But if there is any glimmer of hope, at least finish this message and allow the Holy Spirit to process some things through you before you make any decisions. Okay, everyone? You have to develop the ability not to have every single answer to every single question right now today. Should we stay living together? Do I let them sleep in my bed still? Can I ever trust them again? Should I move out or should they? Here's what I would encourage people who are going through this right now. Just ask the Lord, what do we need to deal with today? What do we need to deal with today? And then you're going to have to push through the emotions. You feel betrayed. You think you'll never be able to trust them again. You're curious how long this has been happening without you knowing it. Your number one question is, were there others? And the second question is, did I somehow cause this? So many emotions are tied to this. And you're going to have to rely more on God in His presence right now than how you feel in this moment. The devil likes to take a snapshot of how things are currently right here. 
and tell you, it's never going to be any different than, than this. It's never going to be any different than this. And then he'll get that film developed and put on a poster. And everywhere you go, he'll show it to you. It'll be the only thought you have. It's, it's never going to get any better than this. It's, it's never going to get any better than this. How, how did you miss it the first time? It's never, are you with me? We have to rely more on God in this moment than we ever have in the past and leave the outcome to Him. Leave the outcome to Him. Understand that there is pain on both sides of the equation. Uh, If you're the one who was unfaithful, there's a difference between shame and brokenness. There's a difference between shame and and brokenness. Some might say, well, shame on you. Shame is getting caught, but not really broken about it. Shame is more interested in what's going to happen now. What's going to be the result of this? Shame is only interested in what's this going to do to my future. An extremely, extremely light example would be getting a speeding ticket. You were driving 10, 15, 20 miles over the speed limit. You got caught. Bleep, right? You get pulled over. Shame is, oh man, I can't afford this right now. Shame is, man, what's this going to do to my insurance rates? Shame is, man, they post all traffic violations in the newspaper. Everybody's going to find out. That's what shame is. It has nothing to do with breaking the law because you're you're not ashamed of that. You're more ashamed that you got caught breaking the law. Shame says, why do we have to keep talking about it? Shame says, will you ever let this go? That's what shame says. And let me just tell you right now, you might as well be prepared to talk about this for a long, long time because it is a lifetime journey now. Brokenness is actually a godly emotion. It doesn't get defensive when your spouse says, I'm struggling with trusting you today. Brokenness responds with, I'm sorry. What can I do to make it better today? What can I do to make it better today? And then does it. Just does it. There is a difference between godly sorrow and shame or worldly sorrow. What's the scripture say about this? 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance. A godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow or shame brings death, the Bible says. Listen to the message translation. Come on, guys, just let the Word of God be the Word of God, okay? The message says distress, which is what a lot of people feel in this moment. 
distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. We never regret that kind of pain. Listen to me, friends. But those, look what the Word of God says. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets. And they end up on a deathbed of regrets. My encouragement to anyone in here who is actively going through a season of distress is to not make any decisions that will turn you away from your heavenly Father. Okay? He is the only one you can trust. And you can trust Him. He knows what you're going through. Sometimes we just want to run away from the pain. And we think it would just be easier for all involved if we just call it quits. It's not easier for all all involved because you quit. Are you with me? It's not easier for all involved because you quit. The pain of discipline is far, far less than the pain of regret. Be willing to accept the consequences. It's not fair to your spouse to say, quit talking about it. Be prepared to talk about it for a really, really long time. And if you're struggling with betrayal, depression is not the pathway to healing. But the truth of God's Word is, the, is, as, is only as good as your willingness to own the reality of what's happened. Amen, everyone? Have faith in God, okay? Then be prepared to develop some pain tolerance and have some conversations. My next thought, okay? I've got four. We're on three, okay? Just take a lick of the, <laughs> the ring pop. It's there. It's there, right? My next thought, you can't do this alone. You're never created to do life alone. You can't do it alone. You'll never make it because it's just too big. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. People are like, well, I only have to confess my sins before God. Right. We get it. First John 1 John 1.9. We've all read it. And he says, confess your sins to God and he will forgive you. That's a true statement. But James goes on and says, you know what else you need to do? You need to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. There's something about doing life with someone else to take you through seasons just like this. Look for a life group. Listen, our life group rendezvous is going on right after this service. Go out there, talk to people, find a group that's meeting on the night that you're meeting. 
And you may or may not develop a really strong relationship with your life group leaders, but you'll probably, more than likely, develop a really strong relationship with other friends in the group. And they can take you through. Let them walk with you. And here's our commitment to you. We have couples on call right now who are willing to kind of journey with you, if you will. And if you're interested in having one of these couples contact you, uh, not all of them will be pastors. Some of them may. But if they are couples that we have identified, they have, a, they have a fairly good relationship, and you want them to kind of navigate this time with you, just email us, pastor at yourplacechurch.com. Email us. Tell us how we can get in touch with you. A phone number would be preferred. That way we don't have to give the email, then start the email, then get the phone number so you guys can connect and have coffee, whatever. Just, just email us and we'll do our best. And, and give us a little bit of time because, again, depending, we got two services here and a host of people who's watching online. And so give us some time to, we'll get back with you and then we'll get someone to make a, a connection with you. Doing life together is where true healing comes. The ones that have made it through betrayal did so because there was someone in their life that could help them. Think rationally. Help them be there to vent, to, in some cases, referee, to understand, to pray, to help see the bigger picture of what's going on. Guys, I mean, you have the kids. Have you thought about this? You have your career and like moving out of state. What does this look like? You still love them. Are they worth fighting for? People who will just ask you clarifying questions and walk you through this. And my last thought is simply this. There is hope. There is hope. The answer to betrayal is, and for some of you this is going to be tough, but to those whose heart is open genuinely towards God, who are open and honest with each other and are growing over time in this sense of trust, there is this thing, and I've seen it again and again and again, and unless you've walked through something like this, you don't understand it. You... You may have understood it if you've, if you've been in a health situation and then all of a sudden you get a breakthrough. But the term is called the speed of hope. When there is hope, when there's hope, all of a sudden the end result picks up speed. It picks up speed. And when there's hope, you start to see a sense that something better is going to happen. There's the speed of hope that kicks in almost to the point that it becomes overwhelming. You get this, this wind in your sails again. All of a sudden, you get this movement. And we've talked to couples, and they'll tell you today that their marriages are better now than they have ever been. And it seems impossible. We have friends who went through this, um, and Tyra was talking to the wife, and she was like, I'm just curious, why did, you, why did you stay? What made you stay? And she replied, if your husband was attacked by a sickness, would you leave him? Well, no, no. 
if you were attacked in your finances, would, would you leave him? Well, no. She said, why would I allow an attack on my husband to be the reason I left him? And they worked it out. And again, they had to work through all of those. And let me just tell you this, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. Resist the temptation to want it to just go back to normal. I just want it to go back to normal. You're going to have to rewrite your new normal. You're going to have to rewrite it. Many couples have actually admitted, the ones who've made it through, that even though the pain of what they, what they experienced was unbearable, it was horrible, but today they will genuinely tell you they would never want to experience that again, but I also wouldn't trade the marriage that I have right now for what it was then. There, there's hope. But it took wrestling through it. It's that old Brad Paisley song, and I thought I loved you then. Right? And some of you are here right now. Let me, let me just say this. Look at me for a second. Some of you in here right now, you're flirting with betrayal. Right here, right now. I'll look in that camera and tell you. You're flirting with betrayal and you know it. And you think you're strong enough to not do it. The scripture says... If your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Ask anybody in the room on either side of the equation if it was worth it. And either one of them will tell you it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. To finish that scripture, it says it would be better to go to heaven with only one eye then enter hell with both of your eyes. Some of you, you need to delete that app. You need to change offices. You need to drive a different way to work. You need to get different friends. You need to fire an employee and get a different one. You need to get an internet filter. Oh, that stuff slows down my phone. It would be better for you to enter heaven with a slow phone than go to hell. Are you with me? Others, you're just looking for strength to make it through it. And maybe you've been betrayed by a parent or a child, we have people that can help you as well. And some of you, I'm just prepared to tell you, some of you, we're going to recommend after a couple of conversations with you that you seek professional help. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And we'll, we'll figure it out. 
But for those of you who genuinely want answers, who want hope, who believes that God is able, who are willing to develop some pain tolerance, who don't want to go at it alone, but will find someone to to process this with you, God is willing to rewrite your new normal. And trust me, the relationship that you will have at the end of this will be better than the one that you were wishing things would go back to normal to. Today may be marked with pain, but tomorrow is actually marked with hope. If you put God in the middle of your relationship and allow Him to rewrite your new normal, there is hope. Amen, everyone. Bow your heads with me. Father, I can't begin to even to even hint that I know what, what some of these folks are walking through. But you do. You do. You see them. You didn't leave in the midst of everything. You've always been there. During the questions, during the inappropriate conversations, the inappropriate actions, you didn't leave because that's not who you are. But Father, I thank you that you saw, even in the midst of what has undoubtedly been the the most painful experience of their life to date, you saw what was on the other side of that mountain. And Father, if we could just see what you see, if we could see the healing that is about to happen, if we could see the relationship that you see, if we could see, Father God, the future that you see, if we could see what you see, Father, we would go right over that mountain, around it. We would, we would tunnel through it just to get to what you see for us. So, Father, my prayer for everybody who's, who's in this room and watching online is that, Father, you would give us a glimpse of what you see. And then, Father, I thank you for healing that comes, for forgiveness that comes. Lord, forgiveness is the answer. It is the answer, and I know forgiveness is going to only come on the heels of where trust has been restored. But, Father, I thank you for a supernatural forgiveness that comes that actually promotes the trust rising again. Father, we trust you for this. God, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask for people to respond during a service. But Father, you know who they are. You know who they are. And I pray, Father God, that you are the God who faithfully looks after your word to perform it in our lives. Father, give us the want to, to want to again.
And we give you praise for it right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.